Listen to the word of God from Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited the people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me that you're, for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more, also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We begin a new series this morning from the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth and the series is called Redeeming Ruth. The uh, book, if you're looking for it in your Bible, you uh, go through the first five books of the Bible and then you find uh, Joshua, Judges, and then the book of Ruth. 
And so the first five books, then Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. The writer of the book of Ruth lets us know that uh, this story happened in the days of the Judges. And in the days of the Judges is a period which was one of the darker periods in Israel's history. Israel went through a cycle, at least formally, that we could trace through the book of Judges seven times uh, in the book of Judges, and here was the cycle. They would sin, and as punishment for their sin, as discipline for them, God would bring to them a warring uh, people, the Midianites, or the Jebusites, maybe the Perizzites. They were different folks who lived around uh, Israel in the hill country, and they would come down out of the hill country and wage war on the people of Israel. They would completely devastate crops. They would render Israel incapable of uh, survival without running into the hills for their lives. And finally, Israel would repent. And when they did, God would send a judge. The judge was not uh, a judge as you and I would think of a judge today. He or she didn't preside over a courtroom. Uh, The judge was kind of like a military leader. Uh, The judge was someone who uh, would wage war against Israel's enemy that God had uh, sent in for that time and uh, bring Israel back to a place of stability and peace. And so that happens again and again in the book of Judges. And the book of Ruth is a one family story. It's like lifting up um, and, and taking the microscope and, or the telescope or the zoom lens and looking in and finding one family. And Ruth wasn't in the family. That's interesting. Uh, the families uh, was uh, Ephrathites uh, out of Bethlehem. And... Um, They would have been in a really aristocratic class of people. They were well-to-do people, the Ephrathites uh, Ephrathites were, uh, but a famine came. Uh, A famine came to Bethlehem most likely as part of God's discipline um, for Israel's sin. This was in a downtime in one of those cycles And Israel sinned and God sent a famine or God sent people who took the crops and a famine ensued. And uh, interestingly enough and ironically enough, it was in Bethlehem that they lived. Bethlehem means the house of bread. How ironic that in the house of bread there was nothing to eat. How ironic that in the very place where there ought to be plenty of bread to eat, bread had gone scarce, and there was a family, and their their names were Elimelech and Naomi, and they had sons, Malon and Kilion. And they decided to uproot and leave Bethlehem, which was about five or uh, ten miles south of Jerusalem and uh, west of the Dead Sea. They'd have to cross over Uh, south of the Dead Sea and go into the plains of Moab. Moab, not Israelite people, not Israelite friendly either. This was a dangerous trek into an unknown territory because there was no food to eat. And so 
uh, Elimelech and Naomi decided we'll take the boys and see if we can ride it out over in Moab. I would just stop to say today that you can run, but you can't hide. Uh, that uh, you may think I could go over here and escape the disciplined hand of God, but God isn't bound by, uh, by time and space as you and I are. He, he, he can work wherever. He can work over in Moab where they have their own God. His name was Chemosh, and he, he can work over there in spite of what's happening in Moab. God is the God of Moab just as he is the God of Israel. And I would also say that there will be two kinds of responses to today's message. There are some of you who know Christ, but you, strangely enough, came in here running from him today. Interestingly enough, you came to church running from God. Deep inside, you're running as far as you can from him. Your attitude isn't his. Your, your words aren't his on Tuesdays. And your, uh, your thoughts definitely aren't the way that God would have them be. Some of you are running with everything in you, but you've run right into church. And so you will come home today. And then there are others of you who've never come to Christ. You sit here this morning lost in your sin and you will discover someone who in the middle of all of this craziness uh, professed faith in God. You will discover someone who in the middle of all of the wildness of this story as it unfolds uh, came to a surprise in faith. As a matter of fact, that's why the book is called Ruth. So in the middle of all this, we discover three misunderstandings about God that are common today. You may want to jot them down so that you can fight against them in your own mind and life. What are these three misunderstandings about God? Number one, when life is good, God is good. That's misunderstanding number one. When life is good, God is good. Uh, they flee uh, because God is disciplining the land. They flee to Moab, and it goes from bad to worse and worse to uh, worser or worsest or whatever that word may be. Uh, when they get there, uh, Naomi's husband dies. His name is Elimelech. We don't know why or how, but he died. And she is a widow, but at least she's boys. And so her husband uh, dies, but at least she has two boys. And uh, these two boys uh, marry. They marry Moabite women. Uh, they shouldn't have done that. Deuteronomy says that that's really a curse from God to go into a strange land, if you're an Israelite, and marry a woman from uh, from a strange land. It's like somebody going from Old Fort and marrying somebody from Nebo. Like, she just shouldn't mix those two. And so, so that's, uh, that's what happened. Uh, they, they, they left and married Moabite women. 
Uh, and they shouldn't have done it because Moabite women worshipped Chemosh. And not only did they worship Chemosh, but other gods. Just in case Chemosh didn't come through, they'd throw in whoever else the god may be who could supply me whatever need they had. And so that's what happened. Uh, they married those women, never should have done it. And, and then they died. Both those boys died. Malin and, and Kilion both died. Naomi left, uh, uh, left Israel. She left Judah. She, she left Israel with a husband and two boys, and she now has two daughters-in-law who don't know her God, don't worship her God. She is a true widow in every sense of the word. No one to care for her. And in verse 6, she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Naomi had the mistaken idea that when life is good, that must mean God is good. Please hear me. God is good when life is good. And God is good when life is bad. God is good when he visits his people with discipline. Parents, we get this. Did any of you ever have a parent who, getting ready to beat the life out of you, say, this hurts me worse than it hurts you? And you will look at them and say, no, let's try that one out. It doesn't. I promise you it hurts me more than it hurts you. This really hurts on my backside. Uh, it isn't until you're an adult after you've gotten a spanking like that and you have your own children and you have to discipline them that you feel that deep pain. You know what you have to do but it so hurts to do it. When God visited Israel and disciplined them for their sin, he did not delight in that. Naomi's mistaken idea is, okay, if God disciplines me, I'll leave. But when there's food again, God's good. Uh, she she had heard that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. God had come through. She had heard about it. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. This is an interesting story. Uh, we get no record of anybody saying a word. Naomi just gets up to leave, and, and Ruth and Orpah just follow her until a little ways out. From Judah, she turns to her, from Moab, she turns to them and says, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you. What an interesting view of the Lord. May the Lord deal kindly with you, she says. She has this view of God as one who can deal kindly with people. 
May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. She has this view of God that he could deal kindly with people, that he has visited his country again. She has this view of God that, uh, that he could grant rest to her daughters-in-law who don't even belong to him and don't even worship him. She has this view of God that when life is good, God is good. When life is good, she thinks God is good. She's on a roller coaster of emotions and feelings and experiences. And when life is up, she is up. And when life is down, she is down. We'll see this clearly in one chapter unfold here. You know some Naomi's. Uh, you may be a Naomi sitting here. When life is good, says, God can do these things. He can give you rest. Return. Go back to your people. Let me mention something to you as parents, and we have a lot of teenagers sitting in this service. There are times when you as a parent will discipline your children, and, and uh, for teenagers, it tends to be taking things away and that kind of stuff that works best, and your kids aren't happy with you during that time. That's okay. Your kids have many friends. They have one set of parents. Amen? Amen? It's not your job to be their best friend. That usually happens around college time and later. Not now. There are times when God works the same. When you will feel he's unduly harsh. But Hebrews 12 says that when the Lord disciplines, he does so for good. It is for our good. It ultimately serves the purpose he's trying to serve. The first misunderstanding that Naomi has about God, some of you may have. When God is good or when life is good, God is good. The second misunderstanding is when life is bad, God is bad. When life is bad, God is bad. Last night I was surfing uh, TV, football team I was pulling for was losing, so that's when I check out. And uh, total Fairweather friend, uh, fan. And so I'm surfing TV, and I find this pastor, and he is uh, talking about going to the mall and finding a parking space close to the front. And he said, I used to honestly think that finding that parking space was sheer luck. When I discovered that that is the favor of God. And he said, so now if I find a close parking space, I will just say, well, thank you, Lord. You have just shown me favor. That's hogwash. <laughs> All right? That, that could only be, be uh, digested by capitalistic money-hungry, greedy Americans. All right, go preach that sermon in developing countries, and they'll look at you like you're an idiot. 
Do, do I say that it's the favor of God when I get uh, rice today, uh, just like I got yesterday, just like I got uh, a year ago, just like I'll get a year from now? Uh, does it become the favor of God when it's, when it's uh, maybe a piece of bread thrown in with the rice? Then do I become grateful to God? Ridiculous. Naomi had this mindset, when life is bad, God is bad. Uh, notice what happens. Verse 10, they, they weep. They love her. And uh, they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? And then the sarcasm, the biting sarcasm of Naomi's bitterness oozes out of her mouth. Listen, have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? This was a male-dominated culture. The only hope for them is a husband. And she says, have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. I'm old. I can't help you anymore. I gave you two boys who died. I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, meaning if I, could, if I could have a kid, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they're grown? Uh, Naomi paints the worst possible picture. What is she saying? Well, if I should say I have hope, if I could even have kids, here's what would have to happen. She is a realist. I'd have to get married today and tonight conceive. And the babies in my womb would have to be two, not one, and they'd have to be boys, not girls. The likelihood of this happening is next to impossible, she's saying. And then you'd have to wait 18, 20 years, maybe in that culture 15, until they're grown. Would you therefore retain from marrying? And she says, no, my daughters, for it is exceedingly, and here's the word bitter to me for your sake, that what? The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Huh. Is this the same Lord, Naomi, that you said could give those girls rest and grant them peace and do everything they need? Is that the same Lord, Naomi? When life is good, God is good. He's feeding people over in Bethlehem. I think we'll go over there. House of bread's really now house of bread again. Let's go back to Bethlehem. And then the swing. No, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me, she says. Life is bad, so God is bad. Things aren't good, so God isn't good. And some of you, without realizing it, completely adopt that mindset. Your faith ebbs and flows on how your life goes. When prayers are answered, oh, faith is high. When prayers aren't, faith is low. When life is good, God is good. When life is bad, God is bad. She said, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. They lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. I have no idea why. I, I 
feel that loving Naomi right now is like hugging a porcupine. I mean, she's bitter. She's old and bitter. She's lost her husband. She's lost her boys. She's going back to her hometown with nothing to show for all the time she's been away. Who wants to be with a woman like that? A girl named Ruth. But do you know what's surprising? What is most surprising is Ruth's interlude in here. This has all been Naomi up until now, and Ruth speaks. Well, Naomi says first, see, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. What? Return after your sister-in-law. Come on, Ruth. Orpah's walking down the road. We see her back. I'll say bye to you. We'll hug, say one, good li- one last goodbye. You be gone too. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Somehow, years ago, this made it into weddings. I've never understood that. All right? Originally said between a woman and her bitter mother-in-law. And, and somehow made it into weddings. It did, you know. And, and you'll have people, not now, uh, people never do this anymore, but, but uh, people will say these very words to one another. Your people will be my people where you lodge. Uh, I will lodge all those kinds of things. As I was preparing this, and this morning as I was sitting here, I remembered, Wendy and I will uh, have been married 15 years in July of this year, and I remember uh, when we were on the stage, some of you were there, and I was deathly sick the week before. Uh, All week, like just horribly sick. I looked like death warmed over in that black tux. My face was as white as a ghost, and I was just uh, really, really sick. And you know, you imagine that moment, all those sweet things you're going to say to each other standing on the stage uh, when you're up there and everybody's out there. And I remember when Wendy walked in kind of down the right aisle, the church didn't have a center aisle, so she walked in down the right aisle, and I saw her, having never seen the dress, and she looked absolutely uh, stunning. And she walked down, and her brother gave her away, and she walked up, and she came over to me. And I said, honey, you look beautiful. And she said, are you going to pass out? <laughs> I'm like, honey, you're pretty. I mean, but not, no, I didn't say that. Uh, and I, I, would, I would keep saying to her these beautiful things because she looked amazing. And everything she said to me on the stage was, are you Okay. Are you going to pass out? Are you fi- I have a little history of passing out. I, I could do a whole sermon on all the times I passed out. But, uh, but uh, uh, that was what we said to each other. These words have somehow made it into weddings, not really fitting the original context of which they're spoken. And so I'm asking you to forget every wedding you've seen where this was said, or if you said it in your own, good for you, but now here's what it means. Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you because Naomi had been badgering her. She had been selling herself as she really was, a bitter old woman, you don't want to be with me. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. And where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Let me explain that for a moment. 
there are a couple of things that unfold in Ruth's statement. Number one, this is for good. It is for good because she's abandoning her Moabite family for an Israelite one. She's crossing south of the Dead Sea over into Bethlehem. She's abandoning Chemosh and all the other gods for the one true God. Orpah had returned to her people and her gods. Ruth didn't want her, her gods anymore. She says, your God, singular, my God, singular, possessive pronoun. Yours, my, not God's, God. So I want to pause for a moment for all of us to have who know Christ. This is clear that you could take absolutely no credit for coming to him. Why? How in the world would a woman like Ruth, who had worshipped Chemosh and gods, and her only witness to God was a bitter old woman who thought that God was good when life was good and was bad when life was bad. Why would Ruth ever want to come and live with that woman and worship her God? Why? Because somewhere deep in her, the Spirit of God drew her. If you sit here this morning and Christ is your Lord, and God is your Father, and the Holy Spirit is your Comforter. You ought to be so grateful that somewhere He drew you out. He wouldn't leave you alone. He called you to Himself. He took you out of darkness and moved you to light. He may have done it in spite of people in your life presumed to be godly that weren't. Many of you have that story to tell of an overbearing godly mother or an uninvolved godly dad or a legalistic godly preacher somewhere. And in spite of all of that, one day you walked away from your God's to the one true God in spite of all the odds. If you have not thanked God for drawing you to himself, oh, you should. If you sit here somehow years into knowing him and think maybe you did it, think again. You didn't. He picked you out. He drew you out. And he knew all the quirks that you have and said, I want you to be my girl anyway. He knew all the hang-ups and said, I'd like for you to be in my family. He knew it all. Just to seal the deal, Ruth says, where you die, I will die. Quickly, remember when Joseph took, went down into Egypt and he died there? 
Do you remember what he asked them to do? Take my bones. When you leave this place, carry them back to our land. Why? Foreigners were never buried in the foreign land. They were always buried in their homeland. Say, I didn't realize that. Uh, Let me give you an example, another. If a soldier dies today, what do we do? We bring him home. We rightfully expend every expense to get him home. How shameful. Many of you are military in here. How shameful would it be if we didn't do him or her that honor, right? Yeah. Ruth said, I don't even want to be buried back in Moab. (laughs) I'll die with you. Just bury me, Bethlehem. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go, she said, no more. We have this heightened drama in that little summary statement. And then verse 19, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Remember I said Naomi was an aristocratic family in Bethlehem. The Ephrathites were aristocratic family. It was like the Vanderbilts no longer had food to eat. And Mrs. Vanderbilt is now coming home and she's coming into Bethlehem and it caused no small stir. Bethlehem wasn't a large town. So it caused no small stir in that town. And the women said, I love this. I'm not going to pick on you women, but it just says the women said, all right, I get my hair cut where it's all women but me. I never say a word. I walk in. She says, how you want it? I tell her how I want it. I don't say a word until I walk out. Why? There's not a chance. (laughs) It's true. I learn all kinds of stuff. And what I don't learn, Gogo gets her hair cut at the same place, and I'll ask her, and she tells me. So, So the women said, is this Naomi? Her makeup's different. Something's happened. Her hair's different. Something's happened to Naomi. Three funerals will put a hurting on you. Bitterness disfigures the face. Bitterness will kill you. Hebrews calls it a root. And from that root... Poison will flow out and it will get around your heart and squeeze every bit of life out. And Naomi owned her bitterness. She owned it. What does she say to them? Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? The third misunderstanding of God is this. When I blow it, God is out to get me. 
When I blow it, God is out to get me. And that's what she says. You see, this name for God Almighty, you may know, made popular maybe 20 years ago now, 25 by a song, El Shaddai. That name Almighty, is that's what, how you say it in the Hebrew. And it simply means the God who is able to do and preside over the course of events of human history. He is Almighty. And all through the Old Testament, it is used wonderfully of God and his people. But Naomi blew it. She's unrepentant. She's failing to see her own sin. And she looks at this as, well, I'm on trial in a court of law. And there's a witness against me, and his name is El Shaddai. Did you catch that? I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I went to court and he testified against me. That's what she's saying. Could you imagine a father testifying against his own children? Occasionally it'll happen. One of those judge duties. If you're surfing, you'll see mom and daughter go at it. <laughs> That's nice. Go on national TV and show what buffoons you are. But they do. They do. Here God, Naomi says, has testified against me. And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. When I blow it, God is out to get me, is her thought. Say, Jerry, I, I have blown it. I sit here, and I have blown it. And unlike Naomi, I own it. But I still think he's out to get me. There is one attitude that God never, ever in all of Scripture, refuses. Only one. Humility. A humble and a contrite heart. God will always accept. Always. We've yet to see it in Naomi. She's blaming God. She's blaming God. When life is good, God is good. When life is bad, God is bad. And when I blow it, God is out to get me. Her three overarching misunderstandings of the character of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a few moments of just music this morning. And there are people in two camps today. The first camp is that you came in here running from God. I love that. If you're going to run from God, this is a good place to come to. And he has met you. And you walked in here bitter and angry and blaming him. And God has revealed this bitterness in your heart. 
and you need to be done with it. And so Dave's going to play, and that gives you a chance to pray. It may be the quietest time you'll have all day long today. That gives you a chance in the quiet, just with the guitar, to hear the voice and heart of God. And to pour yours out to him. And then there are some of you who walked in here lost, headed to hell. No concept of Jesus as a personal savior. And like Ruth, you need to say no to those gods and yes to the one. Say, so Jerry, how do I do that? Would you all bow your heads with me right now? If you're in here this morning and you would love to trust Jesus as your Savior, just say, Jerry, I, I don't know Jesus, but today I want to give my life to him. Today I trust him. I receive him as my Savior. I would ask you just to look at me. If that's you, and you say, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior today, I would ask you just to look at me. Here's a simple prayer. Jesus, I am a sinner, and my sin is my own fault. I am sorry for it. And today... I trust you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me and my sins. I believe that you resurrected from the dead. I take you as boss, as Lord of my life. If you prayed that prayer in faith and trust, Welcome to the family of God. During this time of prayer, you're welcome to come share that with me. You're welcome to write it on your connection card or let us know because you've got the most remarkable, difficult at times journey ahead of you of walking with the Lord. I'll be down here should anybody need to talk, need to pray during this quiet.